0: The sharing of your word, bless this truth, knowledge, and wisdom of yours that I carry it and share it. And that those that have an ear and hear the words are listening to the message, Father, and go then to seek your face. Seeking your face in your word, Father God, that you gave to us to share with us. So, didn't get a dream this morning, but that's okay. Holy Spirit wakes me up in a lot of different ways. But um, just kind of a a retouch on, on that illustration that he brought to me and my mindset, that's too... It's to share the knowledge of God, knowing truth, knowing what, and rather than being told about something, something was shared about it with you. Um, And there are those that are, as I've shared many times with you, I call them the theological wizards because they think that they're somehow magically endowed with more knowledge because they went and they have book smarts. Well, that's not how it works. Not how it works. And a very fine example is exactly what went on with... The disciples. Jesus chose them from every walk. From every walk he had physicians. He had educated individuals. Matthew could write and he could read and he spoke several different languages. He just had a problem with... Torah because he gave up his studies as a young person. And then you have Luke who was a physician. He had smarts. And then you had, I believe it was Nathaniel, was an architect. He had schooling to be able to put drawings that were in print or had been printed, or had been drawn, that he could put them to task and build things. And you had stonecutter. It had, it had to have some, uh, but people gave little credence to that. I mean, Nathaniel smarted off about, Jesus, what, anything, anything good come from Nazareth? Well, that's because Nazareth was a, and see, this is a thing that I I don't understand, and this was going on in biblical time, and it somewhat different today, but yet not, because there are craftsmen that seem to be still looked down upon. I don't, quite understand that because it's a necessary trade and it's a necessary thing that they can do. Um, they're starting to make a turnaround and, and be proven to be a good, viable part of society, if you want to say it that way, but for the longest time they were frowned upon. You have stonemasons, you have glass blowers, you have uh, You have individuals that make these very fine um, porcelain pieces and, and you have different craftsmen, but they were looked upon as being less than a real viable part of society. And then you have individuals that all have a smart allocate retort. Well, life isn't fair. Well, no, it's not. And the Bible talks about that. And nobody expects it to be. Christ taught us that it's not. He taught us that in life, and especially in this fallen plane of existence that we reside in, that rain and foul weather, it falls on everybody. Man and beast alike, rich and poor, you're still going to get wet. Rich and poor, you're still going to experience a dust storm. Well, not so much now because, I mean, we don't have things like that in city populations. I mean, there are still dust storms that take place if you live out in the desert, places like Arizona and places such as that you will experience things like dust storms. Um, And you will see things like dust devils. Interesting phenomenon they are. But, brothers and sisters, we are taught in the Bible that the rich and poor go through trials and tribulations the same as the poor man. And you might look at yourself and say, oh... Yeah, well, they don't this and they don't that and life is just so unfair. Well, you know what? They still have to go out when it's raining. They're still gonna traverse the puddles. And a lot of those folks that you think are so much better off than you are, they still take public transportation. There's a lot of things that we don't have specific knowledge of. But yet we want to talk about it. As if we do. The theological wizards will tell us about God and they will write commentaries about what God meant when he did or said this or what Jesus meant when he was teaching us and how are they going to do that? Were they there? Well, unfortunately, a lot of those get that from being... So educated. So they think themselves to be above others and they require that it is required that they tell others. Well, here's the thing. Bottom line, period, exclamation point, whatever grammatical emphasis you want to attach. If God meant to say it a different way, he would have said it a different way. If he meant it to be a different way, he would have directed it that way. don't need somebody that believes themselves to be of a higher intellect than anyone else. I mean, you look at the disciples as I was sharing. You had Matthew was educated, spoke many several languages and he could write and he could read. And you had Luke was a physician. You had Nathaniel was an architect. And I can't remember who the stonemason was, but he was. um, uh, I'm sorry. I cannot remember, but his father was a stonemason. And then, of course, Christ our Lord. He was a craftsman. in more ways than one. But brothers and sisters, we are chosen of God and it doesn't require that you have a certain intellectual prowess. And I've shared this with you before, that you are going to have individuals that think themselves so intellectually higher above every and and everyone else or others around them. But here's the thing, no matter what your intellectual prowess may be or what you think it might be or what it ought to be or what you believe it should be, the weakest point of attack that you have, my brother and sister, is your mind. You are going to be attacked the same as everyone else. No difference. The scripture teaches us that the rain falls on man and beast alike, and there is no difference. The rain falls on the rich as it does on the poor. No difference. And there are scriptures that remind us that there are going to be trials and tribulations that are going to come and they happen to everyone alike. It's not just going to happen to some people. And I've heard this comment made is that some people, well, that just happens because you're a Christian. That just happens to me because I'm a Christian. Well, what are you whining about? Really? Really? So I'm going to jump into James. I'm going to jump in here and we're going to read James 1, starting at 12. And I'm going to read through to 20. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation for when he is tried... He shall receive the crown of life, which is the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So there are those individuals that say, they've actually made that foolish statement. And I'm, I'll tell you straight up, it's a foolish man or woman that declares that God tempted them. It doesn't say that. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that God tempts you. You may be allowed for a purpose, for a chastisement or to teach, but God provides, always provides a way Out, always provides. Or he's right there with you. And when you need be, you put your hand and say, Father, Father. And he'll be there. I I go through this stuff that the enemy really works on me hard. I've shared that with you. Further reading 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So here's the thing to understand that when that word lust is spoke, it's not talking about sexual stuff. Like when I use uh, similar, when I use the word pervert or perversion, it has nothing to do with a sexual connotation. It just means a twisting or maligning of something that God gave us to bless us with, and it's twisted and manipulated and it turned dark and changed from what it was intended for, good, and man or mammon or they that follow after the will of their father rather than the heavenly father. And we're talking about the devil, just like Jesus told the Sanhedrin that they chase after their father and they don't understand what he's sharing because they don't speak the truth because their father doesn't speak the truth. And he came right out and told him, your father's the devil. Oh, that didn't make them happy. Well, I'll tell you the same thing. Sharing the same thing. So when he's talking about the lust, you can have lust for riches, you can have lust for fast cars and all this stuff. And, and you know, when you go desiring to have the thing that your neighbor has, coveting, that's what that is. Coveting, coveting his car, coveting the house, coveting his wife all the good stuff that he's got, coveting that riding lawnmower that he's got, and you, you still have to push a real mower, or you have a uh, you have a push power mower or something, and he's got that ride along. Your yard is the same size, but you got to push a mower, and he's riding one. Well, big deal. So you covet that that he has, or you lust after it. That's what that means. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Okay, now what James is talking about, he's not talking about you passing off of this plane of existence, he's talking about spiritual death. When you allow those things to drive you, and drive you away from what you should be studying, seeking the face of God, and not after those temporal things, Brothers and sisters, we all go through it. This is not something new. Remember, I have that little mirror right here and I'm speaking into it as I'm speaking and sharing with you. I'm speaking to myself as well, reminding myself that I have to guard myself against that and it comes. And Satan comes at me really hard because not saying that I'm any different than anyone in any way, shape or form, other than I really, really want to be about my father's business. So he comes at me pretty hard. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. It's a beautiful gift. The rainbow. Was a gift of God. It was a promise of God. And it's been darkened and turned into something malevolent and twisted, perverted, indeed. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, Christ, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. When you're quick to anger and you're going to jump on to folks because of something they said, you're not going to be very righteous. You're going to be pretty nasty. You need to pay attention and be sharing that, that God desires us to share. we find also that Paul reminds us in his letter to the church of Corinth, 1 Corinthians, his first letter, 10, verses 12 and 13. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. I don't need any help, I can do this on my own. I got this, I got this, I got, whoa, I didn't have it. That's what Paul's trying to remind you because we have a lot of people that do that. And this is what I warn you about, those self-help gurus that are abounding out there. And you have individuals even within the church body, they mean well, they really, really do. And they're trying to be helpful. But when they point you in the direction of a self-help guru, who is supposed to be a Christian, be wary of that individual and try the spirit of truth. Because chances are, you shouldn't be dealing with that person. You shouldn't share personal insight with them. You should not. And I say that because how is someone that is going to teach you to do it on your own and stand on your own and be an individual teaching the word of god the word of god tells us that christ is center in all that we do that we seek the f- we walk by faith and not by sight and if you are walking into this person's office and having them tell you and direct you, that's not walking in faith. It's not following the will of the Father or centering Christ in your life. That's centering yourself. That's usurping the sovereignty of God. That I can do it on my own, I can stand on my own, I can be independent, and I'll just pray to God when I think it's necessary. This is, this goes hand in hand with that thing that, that Jesus uh, taught, our Christ taught us, and why he despised religion so much. And that's true, that's in the scripture, you can find it. But the reason he did that is not because of, it isn't good, he did that because you have the temptation of men and women to have their thought and their intellect and what they say to go first. And that prime example is with the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin. Everything that they were about was what they said, not what they did. They didn't lead by example. They didn't lead by truth. They told everyone how they should be and what they should do and they themselves didn't perform in that way. When well, nobody was looking, they did pretty much whatever they decided they wanted to do. But yet they told everyone else how to act. And they liked the best seats. In the festivals, they had the best booth. They sat and they got the best wine. They got the best food. They got the best portions and they were always served first. And this is why Christ taught us to be wary of the leaven that they put out. That's the hypocrisy that they teach because they tell you. Do it the way I tell you. Don't do it the way I do it. No, no, no. You do it the way I tell you to do it. And this is the thing that happens in many religions. They don't worship God the way God is worthy of worship. They don't give thanks to God, hardly ever at all. And God is just removed from his little ornate container whenever it's convenient. Whenever they want to make a show. They let God out of his little carved box. And they have their special little program, yada, 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 and then they put them in and close the box up and put it away and it doesn't come out again for another three months or whatever, or maybe... It comes out in the following Sunday service. If churchgoers are lucky to see and hear God on that Sunday. And this is what Jesus detested about religion. Says that God was only let out as a matter of convenience. Not as a matter of principle or practice. Remember I shared this with you. Giving thanks to God. Giving thanks goes into praise, it goes into worship. And remember, I shared this with you that David shared in his psalms four of the seven primary ways of giving thanks to God. in that one chapter it's just, it's very short, but four of the seven primary are shared in that one chapter. And it talks about how we come to his gates, how we enter his courts, how we enter his house, and how we come before God with our hands lifted up and praise on our lips, that sacrifice of worship that we give to him. And that all comes from giving of thanks. All these things and all these trials and things that come about come for a purpose and there's a reason, but here's the thing, that Christ is the Prince of Peace and we have his peace and he promises that to us. It's one of his assurances. On what I'm sharing in First uh, Corinthians 10, 12, you don't stand up and think that you've got it, and and say, that's what he's Paul's talking about. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. I got this. I'm in control. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. They've been they went to too many self help gurus and they got all this advice on how to do it on their own. Well, guess what? Tumbleina. <laughs> Actually, the old story is Thumbelina, but this person is Tumbalina because they went tumbling down. They didn't have it. There have no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Now, nowhere in that scripture did you say that God is tempting you, nowhere in that verse. What it is saying is that there is no temptation that comes about that you take upon yourself that's any different than anybody else. It might manifest itself a little bit different But it's not, you're not special. You're not tempted specially. Everyone deals with it. But God is with you whithersoever thou goest to the mountaintop, to the valley, to the depths of hell, to the deepest sea, to the farthest reaches of the sea. David talks about it in his poem. Doesn't matter. God is there, God is there. He's always with us and he's always there. Jesus reminds us that he is our Lord and he is with us always. And remember when he came to the disciples in the upper room They were so troubled. They were so afraid. They were were being fearfully driven because the Jews were coming. And they were coming because the disciples were following Christ. And they were following his way and his teaching. Well, they didn't like that. So they were coming for him. And when he came to them, he told them, peace, be with you. And reminding us that he is our constant companion. He is with us, whithersoever we go. And remember, that's not a geographical location or a designation. That is emotional and a spiritual high or low. He's with us. The emotions that we feel come from our Heavenly Father. His greatest desire is that we know that and that we know him, that we have a personal relationship with him because that's what he wants with us. We're reminded that his peace is steadfast with you. When we keep our focus on him, we pay attention to him. These things that I share with you that go on in there, and I've told you, and this, and this is a rebuke to those individuals and a person in particular that is reminding that. Oh, I don't want to hear that. That's just all just sad stuff. I don't want to hear that. I want to have happy, 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 happy. Well, that's not reality. I understand you're trying to escape, and it's also not reality that you want to try to deter and you want to put a detour or a roadblock on my sharing what the enemy will do and how the enemy comes, because that is truth. And the subtle attack that the enemy is making is trying to get that turned away from sharing with anyone that will hear it. And so when you have a person who claims to be a Christian, and they're preventing somebody from sharing truth, there's a problem there but I'm not going to get confrontational about it because that's not my job. I just know that I'm in a spiritual battle and it is a spirit. We are told this, we are told in the Bible that we are in a spiritual warfare, whether you like it or not, or you don't want to be, you don't want to hear that. Well, that's too bad because that's the truth and it's what it is. And that battle that is being fought is for your soul. Your very soul is at risk. And when you decide to turn away from the truth or you decide to deter the truth then you're choosing like the Pharisees would do what scriptures they read. And there are those individuals even today that don't want to read the book of Revelation or they don't want to read certain parts of Matthew. They, they completely ignore Matthew. Why do they ignore Matthew? Matthew has the a Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, and it also tells us, um, well, kind of a rhetorical question, actually, because I already have the answer. Uh, Christ tells us about the coming of the trials and tribulations and things that are going to come, and he reminds us that it shall be as it was in the days of Noah before the return of the Son of Man. What does that mean? That means that back then it was bad, and it's going to be bad, and it is bad. Remember, I shared that with you. That Noah worked on that ark for 120 years, and during that 120 years, he was constantly preaching repentance. And they constantly made fun of him. They constantly refused. And when it came time, and God said, "Okay, Noah, it's time. Load them up. Let's go." And everyone got in the ark, and they got ready to go. Then all the people came, and they wanted to get in. Well, it was too late because God had already sealed the hatch. It was closed. And they couldn't get in. They didn't respond. They should have and they did not. But brothers and sisters, we have to remember that we can experience, we can know his presence and his peace. And we have to know that. This is that here comes that fancy word. I'm going to throw it at you again. That says that comes from that, um, I want to make sure I say it right, so I'm going to have to flip the page over and look at it, experiential. Ah, I think I said it right. Yay, yay, happy, happy, joy, joy. So what that means is that you have the actual experience and that knowledge, and it just does not come from something you've heard about It comes because you have experienced it. You know the presence of God because you practice the presence of God. You worship God. You give thanks to God, and you know that his peace is real. You know that he's real. You know that he's here, and I know that he's here. When I'm here in God's watch and I'm sharing time with him, he will Pardon me, but he's making me emotional. And that happens because (laughs) his overwhelming presence is here and I know it and I feel it. And sometimes, sometimes he will reach his hand and put his hand on my shoulder. And I cannot help but to fall into this state of disarray. But it's not disarray. Not at all. Not at all. Ahayavehata shantri kuriyasamha. It's just the power and the presence of his love and the majesty that he takes time to spend with me. I've shared this with you time and time and time again. If you make time, he will take the time. Brothers and sisters, that's powerful. But we're going to jump over here And we have to understand that you are not going to stand up there and do all these things on your own. And those self-help gurus, they're lying to you. And there's nothing wrong with telling God that you need his strength and you can't do it on your own. I, I have to practice this because I'm one of those doggone guys who's convinced that I'm capable, I'm not. I need God's help all the time, even in the little things. And just remember that we always need his peace. Every moment that we walk and we move through this plane of existence that we need him. And this is what those self-help gurus will convince you to do, they will convince you to take a shortcut and that you will do it and that you can do it and get there faster. But wait a second, you You're now you're totally ignoring what God has told you that you shouldn't go that way. Well, time-wise, as far as this plane of existence, it might be quicker, but that's not a good way for you to go. I have established the way that you should go. Remember the scripture reminds us of that. But these self-help gurus have decided that you gotta, you gotta be a quickie. You gotta do it quickly. But here's the thing: in taking that shortcut that they told you about, that you're going to return your back on his presence you're not following the guidance of our comforter you're trying to do it on your own not allowed shouldn't do it we're told not to do it sometimes you might have to take the longer route But remember that he is with us, whithersoever we go. And it would be much better that we take that little bit longer way and that we are with the Holy Spirit and our God. And let me remind you way back in Isaiah, which was... uh, Isaiah, if I remember timeline correctly, I'm an old guy, so I forget stuff. But uh, the prophet Isaiah was sharing approximately 700 years. Yeah, about 700 years before the birth of Christ. What did Isaiah have to say about that? Well, you can see it in Isaiah nine and six. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called, (laughs) and he will be called wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. Man. Brothers and sisters, I know that there's going to be individuals that are going to get their knickers all twisted up about this and get all uncomfortable in the sitting. Too bad. Um, But here's the thing, you might say, well, that sounds kind of contrary because you said that we're in a spiritual warfare. Well, that's true. And we need to have on the full armor of God as he's made it for us. But that doesn't mean that we go out slinging, slashing and banging heads and doing all that aggressive warrior stuff. Have you not heard the term prayer warrior? that you aggressively attack the enemy through prayer and you let him have it with multiple salvos of prayer to the Father and that you uphold prayers to everyone as we are told to do. There's a lot of various aspects of military life as well. There's a lot of people that didn't know this. I'm going to throw this bit of trivia at you as I continue. That um, here's a surprise. That people think that, oh, I'm going to join the Air Force because I want to go fly. Well, guess what? You actually have more of an opportunity to be a pilot or fly in the branches of the Marine Corps and the Navy. And even going into the Army now, too, than you do in the Air Force. And why is that? Well, the Air Force is a lot of logistical and supply and warehousing, which is still a necessary point and part, and that everyone in the Air Force is involved with various aspects. They don't all fly. Now, you have air crews, you have loadmasters. those that are in charge of making sure that the aircraft is loaded properly and correctly and the straps and the equipment that are necessary. Uh, those guys, they fly. The flight crew and the loadmaster, the one who's in charge, the pilots go up there and they fly that airplane. The loadmasters are in charge of everything that is within certain portions. And then, of course, you have the avionics crew that goes along that is uh, in charge of the other aspects of the aircraft. Well, those folks, they fly with that aircraft. They're assigned to that that plane. But just because you go in the air force, that doesn't mean that's what you're going to do. I had a friend of mine who was uh, in the air force when I was back in in my time when I was serving in the Marine Corps, and uh, he did that thing. He thought he was going to fly, but didn't. But then he wound up deciding, and he was going to get out. He was all fed up with all kinds of stuff because he never got to fly and he was gonna get out, but then he re-enlisted. And when he did, he was gonna to go to be a uh, loadmaster. He was gonna to go to flight school and go to a special school. He was gonna get promoted, uh, go up a paid grade or two, and he was gonna be that man who was in charge of everything that went on that aircraft. And then he was going to fly. And they go all over the place. But there are various aspects of the military, and there are various things that go on. Yes, we are in a spiritual warfare. That is true. And the Bible reminds us of that. We cannot forget that. And we must have on the full armor of God, regardless of the Holy Spirit is got us going through uh a section of of this path of life that we have to walk through and we're gonna have to pull that stuff up and make sure that we're holding on tightly to everything. But that doesn't mean that that's what we're gonna do all the time. So don't get your knickers all twisted up about that and don't be all offended because it's called an army and don't be offended because we're told we're in a spiritual warfare and don't be offended if we're reminded to put on the full armor of God. Well, you know what? God wrote it that way. God tells us that. He instructs us to do those things. So buck up. Man up, woman up. Get it together and follow the will of the Lord and leading of the Holy Spirit. And don't be trying to decide what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. Because ultimately, it's not going to end well. And as I've shared with you before, there's a, uh, there's a section in the Bible, in the book of Hebrews, and some theological individuals will, you know, the ones with all the book smarts, they have called it the Hall of Faith, and they decide that's a little cute name, but that's in Hebrews 11, and it tells us that we need to be walking in faith and not by sight, Um, and there's a, a bunch of names listed there, well, the thing of this is that if you go and you follow the rule of faith and you go back in time through the Bible, you'll find that those individuals did not fare very well because they ultimately, they wanted to try to do it on their own. And they are strong in their faith with God because they learned that they couldn't do it on their own. Attempting to do it on their own was not a good thing. So, as we go through Matthew five, and this is this is the uh, these are the beatitudes and part of the Sermon on the Mount. And he talks to us and he reminds us and in part of sharing the Beatitudes, he says that, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice. And be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Nothing new is happening to you that didn't happen already. This is what Jesus is explaining. And then what he shares. This is important too, because in going through these things and going through the trials and the fire that we go through and that we are told we will go through, Jesus uses a term and a phrase, and he says, "Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost the savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be." trodden under foot of men that's an important phrase right there and something that we need to hold on to and realize and something that as a uh, as a chef and a baker uh, things that I learned now you think salt is for a specific purpose well actually salt has many purposes salt is a preservative Salt can draw out sweetness. Salt can dampen sour and tartness. Salt can preserve. Salt can be used medicinally. Medicinally, sorry, goodness gracious. Where'd that come from? Salt can be used medicinally. Salt is good for many things, but if salt has lost its savor, what good is it? If you have lost your savor and you have just given up hope, then you become like those dry bones that Ezekiel talks about. And remember in Ezekiel 37, 11, for we have given up all hope for our part meaning that they gave up. They threw their hands up. They had turned their back on God so many times and they didn't try talking to God. They didn't keep praising God. They didn't continue giving thanks to God. They didn't worship God. They turned their back. And they decided, self-righteous, self-centered, arrogant, that they would go their own way. And Ezekiel was shown exactly what the nation had become. A valley of dry bones. We had all given up hope for our part. They gave up. And they just laid out there and became sun bleached. But Ezekiel was told to prophesy to the valley of the dry bones. And he came and he preached to the bones. And the Lord God told him to prophesy to them that the breath of God would come and they would be raised up and they would live. And he did as God told him to do. And as he says, behold, the bones rose up and stood on their feet. And he watched them come back to life. And he continued to prophesy and teach and share the word of God. And they became strengthened by the breath of God. The breath of God, the Holy Spirit. So I want to share in Psalm 46, relatively short. I'm going to try to get through this quickly for you. I don't know why. It's the word of God. Oh, that's because because I've a time limit before it shuts itself off. So I knew there was a reason. So in Psalm 46, and David writes it this way. Remember, don't forget that David is a songwriter, a singer, a poet. And in Psalm 46, to the chief musician for the sons of Korah, a song upon Almath. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea? Though the waters therefore roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Uh, here's this very special word that I've shared with you before. Sila. David says, pause. Wait, God will speak. God will show himself to you, pause. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the most high. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God shall help her and that right early. The heathen rage, the kingdoms were moved, And he uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts with us is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Sila. Pause. Wait. For he will show himself to you. If you seek his face, he will show himself. It's not in your timing. Selah. Wait on the Lord. Come behold the works of the Lord, which, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear asunder. He burneth the chariots in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of the hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. So, brothers and sisters, what is the import? The import is that no matter what goes on, God is with us always. That short narrative that I shared with you there, David wrote that, that poem that he wrote, reminding us that God is always with us. God is ever present. All we have to do is take a moment and wait. He will reveal himself. Brothers and sisters, it's not all about you. It's not all about your timing. It's all about God, our Lord Almighty. (sighs) Thank you, Father. Father, I give thanks to you for this opportunity that I've had to be able to share with my brothers and sisters, wherever they may be, to share your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom, that they hear not only the words that I share with them, but they listen to what I'm telling them. Listen to what I'm sharing with them. Listen to what you with your spirit have put into me to share. Share with them what you have given to me. Your truth, your knowledge, your wisdom, and that they go to the word, Father, and seek your face so that they will come to know you. Not just about you, Father, but come to know you. Allah Yahweh. Amen. 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 Brothers and sisters, you hear my prayers, my going out, my coming in. Every day, be blessed.